Welcome to the debut, the premiere episode of Reconcinimation. Ooh, the first one. The very first one. Wow. You're, it's groundbreaking. Here we are. And I, I've always been a big fan, so I'm really excited about <laughs> the very first one. It's a big international show that we're just bringing domestically for the first time. Yeah, this so. is re, this is Reconcinimation USA. <laughs> uh, I'm John Diner, and this is uh, David, David Munchak. Yeah, hi. Welcome to the show. Uh, this is uh, I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. I uh, hear. I hear there's a lot of podcasts. Like on the internet? There. The internet tells me that. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Um, a lot about nostalgia, but this show is going to take a look at, we're going to look at movies from the 70s, 80s, 90s, movies that, that our generation grew up with, mm-hmm. and take a look at how do they hold up now. Those, those, those movies that you have a fond memory for, but uh, what's, what are they like today? Yeah, like we all loved Crocodile Dundee when it came out. Of course. Right? In 1986. Uh-huh. But how is it uh, how's it now in 2018 and then, you know, as we go on, we're going to take a look at, at a lot of movies like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some were very popular. We're also going to look at movies that may not have been popular when they came out and got sort of a cult status and you know, take a look at the like the Evil Dead movies, for uh, example, yes. how they were really didn't fare well when they came out but in the late 90s kind of started to get a, a cult status and became huge so yeah all those movies that you you they are sorted in the the library of your brain as a certain thing they have a cultural impact they have uh, a status uh in 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 hollywood or whatever uh and then but we get to we're gonna what go back watching them as modern audience today and try to what like compare it to when we first experienced yeah. these movies. Yeah, because there's going to be I think a lot of trips down memory lane. Yeah, uh, and we're gonna I'm sure we're gonna talk about you know why we we connect to it, uh, and I mm-hmm. think audiences can identify with that from our uh, our generation. Yeah, but um, what's interesting though is there's old so many movies I haven't seen. So a lot of our, uh, our adventure here will be me experiencing it for the first time, which is kind of exciting for me. And there's a few for me, too, that I haven't seen mm. that have always been on my list. Oh, here we go. From For 20, 25 years, and now I'm going to have to take a look at them and, and see, you know, how do they hold up having been made in the 80s, let's say, or 70s, mm-hmm. and taking a look at it for the first time here. So we're going to, we're depending on the movie, we're going to hit it from a few different angles. Yeah, and we'll we'll offer it up for our reconsinimation. Are, are we still working on what... Uh, like a segment name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. We're, we're, we're going to work out a few kinks as we go along here. But we've got segments, and we, we'll, we'll, uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, we'll have guest, uh, guest hosts every so often as well. Yeah. Surprise mystery guests. Mm, a little pop by. Yeah. A little drop down. So you, you guys uh, follow the Facebook page, our Twitter page. Insta? Uh, the Insta, you know. Should we sign up for Snap? Mm, I'm going to pass on that Yeah, okay. (laughs) I'm too old. I I don't even know how to work. I don't know. I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, follow that, and we're uh, going to promote each show. We've got artwork from our good friend Curtis Moore. Curtis. Our our good pal. Very talented. Does a lot of our artwork that we're going to throw out there. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, so stay tuned, and uh, we're going to get started here. (laughs) 
this summer, when you think vacation, think National Lampoon's Vacation. See the real America. Hey, underpants. Hey, yellow. Ah! It's friendly. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> Don't you want to look at the Grand Canyon? It's educational. Great. And most of all, it's fun. The dog went on the picnic basket. But Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Imogene Coca, Randy Quay, John Candy, and Christy Brinkley. Well, are you gonna go for it? This is crazy, this is crazy, this is crazy. Take you for a ride. This summer, when you think vacation, think National Lampoon's <laughs> Vacation. Better check under the hood. Okay, guys, we're back and we're talking about 1983's National Lampoon's Vacation. The original. The number one. The granddaddy of them all. The one that started off a franchise. <laughs> <laughs> that they haven't rebooted. Do you remember what was the first time? Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? I don't. I can't remember the very first time because it it was something that was like uh, it was always on TV for me. Didn't so was, com did Comedy Central run that a lot? That could be. There was a there was like a period of time when Comedy Central took off, and that's when exactly when I stopped having cable like for extended time. So I have no idea. Um, but I think it was on TV, like local TV, yeah. weekend movies, summer, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I had always seen bits and pieces of it. It's like I never really saw the beginning. Like I forgot that they got the car, and oh my god! It, like, but that, and then like the <laughs> the computer video game uh, mapping thing, the whole uh, like opening the, sequence. Yeah, yeah. Like I always forget that 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 existed. Yeah. So like when I rewatched the movie start to finish, which I haven't done in years. Uh, you know, it was, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. There's all these, like, oh, yeah moments. Yeah. Um, but uh, I cannot remember the first time. Uh, what I about you? I remember this was the first, 1988, this was the first, my dad had just bought a Laserdisc. Mm -hmm. And hopefully people remember, people listening to this will may remember what a Laserdisc is. <laughs> I think most uh, of them do. Yeah. I'll roll the dice on that, that, <laughs> that they know, they remember uh, this was the very first Laserdisc that we got. We uh, got the Laserdisc. It was a Pioneer Laserdisc. Yes. And he said we could pick one movie to go with it. And I remember knowing of this movie. Like, yeah, I'd probably seen it on, or parts of it on TV or something. But yeah. uh, we picked this and, and a nice, it wasn't even widescreen. Oh, yeah, It yeah. was pan and scan Laserdisc. Full gotta, screen. That's got to look good. <laughs> That is high tech. Yeah. And it wasn't like one of those, you remember how like some like full screen, it, it would, it was called pan and scan because it would like literally, they would add a pan in. Yeah. To just focus the action. Encompass right? everything that was in the shot. Yeah. This didn't do that. It just cut stuff out. Oh, really? <laughs> just if you're on the side of the frame, you're out. Um, that, uh, speaking of laser disc, my uh, real quick aside, my friend. In 96, 97, his parents built this new house. They moved to this, like, nice new thing. They got a really nice stereo, like, hi-fi system, 1996, whatever. But, like, like all great media and all that. And then to show off, like, the Laserdisc player that they had. And it was 96. So, like, 
and I guess they were still doing that, but it, uh, uh, they they did an example of Jurassic Park. He popped in the laser disc for Jurassic Park. Like, look at how awesome this is. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, that is pretty cool. Like, it just looked good, I guess, and the, sounded great. There were. I, I still argue there are certain things about laser that hold up. The quality for, especially as it got into the nineties, uh-huh. some of them were great. Uh-huh. A lot of the extra features for nerds like me. Yeah. Love that stuff. Sure. Like there were audio commentaries and extra like documentaries that have never come out, like that still haven't been hmm. put out. There's there was like Terminator Two stuff and hmm. and um, I remember like stuff on Escape from New York and some Star Wars things and Alien commentaries that never they never translated over. They just recorded they never... new ones when the DVDs came out. Oh, right. So it's like always like little like Halloween had a whole audio commentary that never got released. Huh. And, um, interesting stuff that's probably going to be lost forever. Did, oh well. Uh, uh, when Vacation was released, though, they, were they doing uh, special no, features? God, no. was, they it's just have, the movie. They didn't even have a trailer. It was like just <laughs> the movie. Just that was, movie. Yeah. Did you? And then is this the type of thing where you had to flip it in yes. the middle of the movie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That depended on the player that you got, but the oh. one I had, yes, you had to. It would stop halfway through, and you'd flip it over and put on the other <laughs> side. So the some players would play both sides. Some players, yeah, would would uh, oh. as technology evolved. Sure, maybe by like ninety two, ninety one. Yeah, the players would flip it. Would self flip. Ah, I see. Yeah. I never had. I was never had that level of uh, of technology in my home. It was amazing. <laughs> That'd be mind blowing after after VHS. <laughs> And beta? Did you ever have a beta? Oh, player? I had beta. Yeah, yeah. you had to have. A beta. Uh, I, I had, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's where I got started, my friend. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Blade Runner is the first movie I ever saw. All right. On on beta, and I'm pretty sure it was a bootleg copy. <laughs> so, if anyone's listening, don't don't arrest uh, anyone from the FBI's listening. They're, they have that warning. It's in a the statute beginning. of limitations. I think. Mm, I think it's that's forever. It's like murder. It's there's no statute. Yeah. It's no, I just mean that it, time's up, baby. <laughs> yeah, I had Blade Runner, Wizard of Oz, wow. Star Wars trilogy. I think I had Raiders on beta. Wow. I think that was the only Indiana Jones. The rest were on VHS. But we had a beta player, I think, for a minute, and I don't really remember the tapes. And then we went over to VHS pretty quickly at a certain point where like it had it had officially won the war or you know it was about to yeah and um but we would go to the video store and the you know the you'd have the box cover and then behind them there was like there was a case with a blue sticker and a case with a red sticker and one of them was vhs and one of them was beta and i didn't i was like i always had to like i would always get mad that sometimes there'd be a stupid beta one there and yeah. the VHS one wasn't there. And, of course, I'm just looking for, like, cartoons, probably. Yeah. This one, I don't even know what we were looking for. But Don't even get me started about video stores. Because oh. I can go... We can do a whole show just about... Let's do that one day. ...video store experience that's, that is now dead. But yeah. It's gone forever. Yeah. More or less. Well, a lot of it was... Uh, and I'm going to, you know, circle us back to vacation here. A lot of you know, video store shopping is window shopping. You're mm-hmm. you're judging books by their covers a lot of times. At least as a kid, sure. you know, you're looking at all the boxes and and um, whether or not you were going to watch that movie was based on how cool or weird the cover was. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and one thing I, that always attracted me was these like hand drawn 
looking covers and posters. Yeah. Obviously, the Drew Struzan stuff, which I still hold near and dear, mm-hmm. those are some of the most amazing posters I think that have been and have been done. Uh, and Vacation is not a Drew Struzan poster, but it's very similar in style. Mm-hmm. It's inspired by, I believe it was Conan, the uh, artist who oh, did right. the, the Conan poster mm-hmm. kind of a spoof on that and sort of that that uh star wars the original one of the original star wars posters. yeah because it's him like uh, like what standing a triumphant uh triumph with with, with like leia at his <laughs> leg and, right and the conan one is is basically the same kind of concept yeah yeah uh and this was the same thing with with it's what the wife on one leg and the the son and daughter on on and or was it like, or is it Christy, the Christy oh, Brinkley Brink- character? Or was it just two women? Like, I don't even know. Well, they really don't. Other than Chevy was, Chase, they don't look like any of the actors. So yeah. The movie. It just, might just be like, yeah. they're just two women. I guess it is hard to tell is that Christy Brinkley, I, I think it's supposed to be the wife. but uh, Yeah, yeah. Because um, like one's blonde and one's yeah, brunette, right? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. So. And then the dog's like there, like oh. chewing at his leg somewhere around there. Too. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. That's, uh, well, yeah, that's, that's gonna, that's gonna draw your eye immediately. Like, yeah. Oh, this guy. In this, and it, you could just tell it's wacky, that wacky yeah. cover. Like, it, it, what's going on with this? Yeah, it, and it it totally gives that feel of that '80s zany comedy. He's got holding like a busted tennis racket or something there, right? And, and a lot of the details in the poster like give that um, that vibe, mm-hmm. you know. Um, by the way, I'm going to try to go the whole show without mentioning the lead actor's name. So <laughs> let's see how long that lasts. <laughs> That's, Good luck to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna break that one. For you. <laughs> I if you noticed, I stopped myself. You, you see him on that cover, and it's like, oh, this is, I almost said his name. I, I let's see, it, it probably won't last, but I think that'd be a. Fun I think we're gonna game. last a minute and a half. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, there's plenty to talk about. We don't have to talk about him at all. No, not a big part of it. <laughs> not, <laughs> the star making turn. So it's 1983. Mm-hmm. National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, this is, I believe, technically the fourth National Lampoon's movie. Yeah, they had a couple of a couple of bombs. bombs. That, yeah, well, it started with Animal House. Mm-hmm. Well, backing up even before that. Yeah, uh, it was the Harvard Lampoon originally. Sure. Um, started by Doug Kenny and a few other people, but uh, he was one of the big driving forces of it. Uh, when they graduated Harvard, they wanted to keep everything going. They didn't want to stop doing their shows and, and the, the uh, you know, written material that they were doing. So they started National Lampoons. Yeah, a humor magazine for everyone. Now. Yeah. Like, or for a national Yeah, satire, thing. satirical satire. magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, they, they did the National Lampoons Radio Hour. So it, it mm-hmm. got pretty popular pretty quick. And magazines were a big... You know, prior to the internet, how did people get information? It was newspapers, magazines. They were much a much bigger industry. Yeah. So they're they're starting to conquer the media landscape. Yeah. Yeah. First in magazines, and they did like insane. You know, basically like media stunts, sort of like mm-hmm. their covers were just ridiculous, like provocative, right? You, yeah. Like the cover, the famous cover is the the dog with a gun to its head. Oh, right. <laughs> buy this issue and we'll shoot this dog. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. So <laughs> people are going to buy it. Uh-huh. And they did. Uh, so the magazine was very hot and they, 
the next logical step was to take it to Hollywood, start making movies, and that uh, begat Animal House, mm-hmm. uh, which was huge. Huge movie launched. Belushi was a, John Belushi was already a, a star from SNL. Yep. Uh, but this really took him to kind of almost like an iconic level because you still see, you know, Animal House T-shirts and oh, yeah. still that poster of him. You know, oh yeah, that's, all the the all that Bluto's still around. Not, yeah, yeah, like it's uh, it's still referenced. It's I think it's phasing out for the the new yeah, generation. It's not as strong anymore, but it's still there. You you know it. You see it. And you recognize it, even if you've never seen the movie. I when, mean, when you go, if you go into like a memorabilia store in like Times Square or like oh, Hollywood, yeah. like you're gonna find Scarface stuff, and you're gonna find <laughs> some Animal House things. Yes. But, uh, so that movie took off huge. Um, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll do an, another whole show just focusing on Animal House. Yeah. Um, but they followed it. Tried to follow it up with two other movies. Class, Re- Class Reunion was one, right. and I'm trying to remember the name of the other one. So like but Midnight Madness? Or Midnight Madness. Or Movie, yeah. Mad- Movie Madness. Madness. Movie Madness, yeah. Midnight Madness is different. Uh, so those tanked horribly. Yeah. So they were definitely uh, looking to keep the franchise alive and, and uh, keep it going. Yeah. Um, I'm going to leap over Caddyshack because that's sort of an unofficial National Lampoon's movie, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's not officially part of their franchise right so. it's not labeled national lampoons and i can guarantee we, we will be doing a caddyshack oh show. uh absolutely yeah uh so one of the other there's a couple of big elements in that in creating vacation mm-hmm. the original brainchild for this specific story was was john hughes yes uh vacation 58 was a short story he wrote uh, for the magazine uh, years prior in the 70s and it was based on his own life a family trip kind of gone gone awry yeah uh, the, the, the 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 kids in the car the parents going through and never you're driving through desert land you have to make those stops you find these new uh, if the trip is planned right you're seeing the attractions you're seeing the the biggest ball of yarn you're you know you're staying at a campground all that sort of stuff the and the how what what a unique american experience it is when you're a kid and so it's his and the and then what his was a obviously a heightened oh yeah heightened ridiculous extreme. yeah which is why that is movie is right. so successful it's an extreme yeah crazy and that's tale. that's how you're going to keep an audience with it and interested yeah yeah you gotta take it to the next level but. yeah but the story was originally focused from his perspective which would be the kid the, the rusty kids. character yeah the it kids. was mostly rusty was basically the lead he narrates the story more yeah. or less or you know yeah um, so the producer of the magazine is a guy by the name of maddie simmons who mm-hmm. also became the producer of all the films uh he takes it he starts shopping the story around uh he sees he sees something in this story. So he and John Hughes start shopping it around all over Hollywood to try and get some interest. Everybody's rejecting it. Jeff, Jeffrey Katzenberg of Paramount rejects it. It's, it's rejected left and right, except at Warner brothers. Um, they love it. Where a, uh, executive named Mark Canton approves it and, and can also kind of agrees that, yeah, there's something there. There's a, there's a little gem there that has to be shaped, but, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's an idea. 
So the they hire, luckily and wisely, hired John Hughes to stay with it and write the actual script of it uh, rather than shopping it out to another Hollywood writer and getting a different voice. I think they wanted to keep his voice. John Hughes was such a, obviously, one of the biggest names of the 80s. Yeah. But was and this his first screenplay? This was his first screenplay. Right. Yeah. This, wow. This, is I think, was the first one that he wrote. I think Mr. Mom had been oh, made right. the same year. It was. They, yeah, I think they were made the same time, more or less. Yeah, right around the out, same time. They came out within a few months of yeah. each other, I think, right? Yeah. But this so. was... Um, this was definitely like the first, first real project that was his that that had been yeah you know since he'd been with it since '79 when the article came out right. Um, so uh, Hughes writes it. Uh, they wanted to keep it in house and in the family and and in that National Lampoon's world and uh, hired Harold Ramis to direct. Yes, Ramis had done. Ramis had been a writer. So many people started with National Lampoons. Mm-hmm. It was such an, a huge. There's such a huge alumni that comes out of there. I'm, I'm going to rattle off a few names. Okay. Uh, Harold Ramis is one. Michael O'Donohue, who was the first uh, lead writer on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Tony Hendra, who appears in Spinal Tap. Al Jean, Mike Rice, uh, some of the on-camera people are Belushi, Chevy Chase. Uh, I said it there. It lasted, uh, how long did that last? <laughs> Four minutes. And, uh, Gilda Radner, Bill Murray, Brian Doyle Murray, who also appears in, in Vacation, uh, Richard Belzer, and it goes on and on and on. It just uh, just a, a catalog of all-stars, yeah. right? Like, just, they were they were the voice of comedy. Yeah. You know, for that, that sort of that alt comedy as it, at the time, would you uh, say? At the time, yeah. As, you know, yeah. certainly not. Uh, you know, there they weren't the main when they started in the seventies. Comedy was in a totally different place, and these guys all kind of like busted the door down and and kind of reinvented it. Yeah. Um, but Ramis, uh, Ramis was one of those writers. He directed Caddyshack, mm-hmm. which was you know a, a good experience for him. His first film. No, that was his. Not directorial first. debut. Yeah. 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 Got it. Um, so, yeah. So he stays with the franchise and, and he's going to take the helm here. And who are they going to get for the lead? The, the, I spoiled it already. I said that. Uh, I said that damn name. That's fine. I'm going to I'm going to try to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Chevy Chase. Right. Oh, shit. You did I, it. I already. You, uh, yeah. But he was he was already he was part of he was part of that pedigree too right I mean, yeah he was he's been in he was, he was part long. of the he was part of the lampoons but he was one of the group that segued into Saturday Night Live yeah 1975 uh, Lauren Michaels started up Saturday Night Live for NBC uh, the original cast was Chevy Chase Belushi Dan Aykroyd Garrett Morris Gilda Radner L- Lorraine Newman and Jane Curtin mm-hmm. amongst some other people who were contributing bits. Uh, like Andy Kaufman and yeah. almost Billy Crystal, but ah, that yeah. didn't happen. Well, okay. sidebar on that. <laughs> um, but uh, they're an ensemble cast, but very quickly Chevy Chase takes off as the lead. Yeah. People forget that Chevy was only on SNL for the first season and like four episodes of season two, something like that, four or five episodes. He's gone by the fall of 70, 76. 
It's crazy. So all those like iconic, you know, memorable moments that you see on highlights and clips of, of Chevy Chase, that, that was all in the first season, really. Isn't that amazing? Like He's... all the, the Gerald Ford and the falling and, you know, Landshark mm-hmm. and all that stuff was right mm-hmm. in the first season. Jesus. Well, it definitely had, you know, had to work out its kinks. Sure. But no, I mean... I mean, only only because it was that first season, only because it was sure. it had changed television and comedy. Yeah, you know, in that way. Yeah, that, that they were they were always going to be touchstones. Things to you know, so all those performances, Chevy became an icon. Yeah, overnight. Well, I mean, he's so charismatic. Oh yeah, um, he's a handsome, a tall, handsome guy. Charismatic, had a great energy, really connected with the audience. Um, he had that that smirk that just kind of drew people in mm-hmm. that uh that he became a star i mean very quickly yeah and belushi was right behind him but uh after a season or so he chevy was so big he i think wanted to separate from the ensemble and do his own thing mm-hmm. uh he was supposed to, he left snl but it's weird because all through season 2 he keeps appearing He's not on the show anymore. I don't think he's even a credited writer for any bits or anything. Mm-hmm. But he'll like they'll have like the opening of the show and they you see him standing outside on the street like all, like he's looking for work. Oh really? Yeah, there's a little <laughs> I don't remember. And like he'll show up as Landshark here and there, all like right. little cameos, but So he's still in the family. He's still he, in the family. There's, you know, a little bit of bad blood I think with certain people. Mm-hmm. Um but he, I believe he was supposed to have his own variety show. Yeah. Which. Did it take off? Did they actually air it? I don't believe they did. Um, it was something that was talked about. And I don't remember if they recorded a, a, like a pilot of it or not. Mm. But uh, that, that didn't go. He started doing, so the, the next step was to become the movie star that he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, he paired with Goldie Hawn a couple of times. Was it, seems what? like, seems like old Seems like old times. Seems is that like the one? Uh, and foul play. I know his foul play was one. Yes, that I remember. Which are okay movies. They're mm-hmm. they're okay, but they didn't really put him on that huge level that he kind of expected and everyone thought he was going to be at. Right. So he leaves SNL in '76 and doesn't really. I mean, he's still a star, but he doesn't get to that huge level probably until Caddyshack. Caddyshack sort of saves him from almost uh going back down he does he's one of the one of the leads in caddyshack he shares it with rodney dangerfield bill murray uh ted knight yeah uh and takes a piece of that movie and and that's where he really shows like okay uh, in the right with the right material he's gonna be he's gonna be fine he's well, yeah, that was that was just like it, it was something that that matched his voice because he was all he the he could play the absurd asshole so well. Oh my god, the absurd like yes, just super confident asshole, and and you can't help but love it. Like you, yeah, you love every second of it. I so having yeah, and having him be like a romantic lead, well, maybe like funny and silly at times in some of those other movies. That's not where his strength was, right? Uh, so Caddyshack sort of found it, and probably it was staying with his National Lampoon group that they were able to really like. No, this is what works for him. Yeah, this is this is Chevy. Like the, this yeah. is what he he's gonna he's gonna blow this up, and it's such a weird movie because it's like 
well, here's Chevy over here, and then Bill Murray's doing this stuff over here, and Ronnie Dangerfield and Ted and Ted are just going at it. Yeah, and like, and it's just it's like, and and then and then the caddies, like, yeah, the, it's like know. four different movies happening in, at once. Yeah, you know, there's like four different stories, and they they intertwine a little bit, but yeah, it's a it's a weird, it's an odd, uh, it's an odd film, but of course, yeah, that's well, another story. That's another whole show. So, but Vacation is taken. Chevy to the, his next level, and it's really going to cement him as a lead star because they they took that, um, you know, that confident asshole and added in the family man buffoon to it, and that's like, that's where his his gold is right there. Yeah, he get he 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 will make that the buffoonery uh, shine like, uh, and of course it's going to be a fa- like. It's not a family film, but it's a film about family, and it's yeah. like every and every uh, something that everyone can relate to. So, and it's funny, so it's just going to blow up. Yeah, and well, there's so much to identify with it. I mean, I think most people have been on a family trip, on a road trip with their with their uh, loved ones, mm-hmm. and if you're especially back then, well, I don't know, back then before there was iPods and iPads and you know and and iPhones. Like, if you were on a road trip, you were in a car, you had the radio, mm-hmm. and that was it. Like, you had, you were just with each other and had to entertain each other. You might have a book. Yeah. Which, like, you can't, I can read, I can read, but it's like it, the, so it's a you're, book. You're not going to read for eight hours in a car. No, yeah. You're, yeah. you're going to get bored and, or fall asleep. Uh, and then I mean, what saved us, I think, in the eighties were the Walkman. Once you had, a, yeah. Once you had a cassette tape. Once they came out with, yeah, because like it started with eight tracks, uh-huh. which was just in the car. Yeah. Uh, and once they came out with uh, cassettes, then, portable then, cassettes. Oh, that's it changed. Oh everything. my god! Thank yeah. God I had my my dumb cassettes. I didn't have to listen to my parents' music. I think uh, my first cassette <laughs> was licensed to ill. Licensed to ill. I, I'm nice. pretty sure that that was the first one I bought. Like you with your own money. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. Mine, mine, I think was uh, Weird Al Yankovic. Uh, Excellent choice. E- even worse, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't even know it existed. Like I, th- I think I knew the song like uh, Fat, but I like, like I didn't even know you could just buy it. Like so, it was, and I bought it with my own money. It was yeah. great. Uh, oh, what a good feeling! You actually could get that on your own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I was with my brother and a couple cousins in the, at the mall. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it didn't even. We were just shopping. We were just there, and then I'm like, "Oh, I can buy it. I've got money. I'll do this." I think it was like eight bucks. Yeah. <laughs> now, what could you sell it for? A um, hundred dollars. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The cassette tape hasn't that 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 technology has not come back. Like records yeah. are are back, and you know they've yeah. been back for a while. But uh, there's never going to be a need that I, that in between. Yeah, that, the, that one's dead. The cassettes. Too much work. It's a lot of work. You can demagnetize them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they're not meant to last. Which doesn't really happen, but it happens. They wear out. You say it happens. I mean... It's like it's like if you leave a VHS tape sideways for a long time, the the like the material actually like fall. fall, like melts away. That's right. I don't know if that's true or not. But you're supposed to stack them like books. I have VHS tapes in my attic, and they still they still play. They play? So, All right. You know, I don't know. I'm, you're... you're in your attic that must boil every every yeah, summer right? it's hot you know it's hot yeah. and, but hey your, your don't tape of there. your dunk <laughs> what, what's the what tape up there is uh, the most played still today well I don't have many left oh, okay but I have a movie called Witchboard 
Ooh. It's a horror movie, a quote-unquote horror movie from Which 86. Board? We might do a show on that. That's <laughs> um, not right. very well-known. Uh, and another Michael Dudikoff action movie called Avenging Force, one of the great canon films ah. of the 80s. And that one we're definitely going to cover. Okay, I hope so. Um, but uh, anyway, circling back. So Chevy Chase is set, and it's you've got... Chevy Chase, Harold Ramis, John Hughes, like your kind of key creative elements uh, of the movie. Yeah. Um, and I can't think of a better mix of humans. It's pretty, it's pretty uh, impenetrable. It's pretty like that's what a perfect uh, grouping. Um, because it's, it's this, there's something about Harold Ramis and his style of this just like, well, and it was the National Lampoon's kind of style of yeah. like, Sort of like resistance of the of the of the everyman kind of thing, like kind of like I don't know. Like you could still you could still be some blue collar schlub, and mm-hmm. you can still have a victory. And, yeah, but you're probably you probably won't succeed. Well, it's so I like what we were saying before. It's so identifiable because it's it. Clark is the everyman. Yeah. You know, now, like, as an adult and having kids and having gone on road trips with my kids, I can definitely identify with Clark. <laughs> like, as a kid, it was, you know, I could definitely see the rusty point of view, which kind of got lessened. Uh, the balance was, was tipped more. And once I cast Chevy Chase, the movie became a lot more about him and, and less about the kids or from the kids' point of view. Yeah. There's still a big you know part of it but it's not they're not like the lead it's 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 the chevy chase show absolutely but um he's you know the everyman he's he's this like you said this blue collar guy mm-hmm. that uh you know is driving the the family truckster that they pick up the right truckster. in the beginning of the movie yes this <laughs> monstrosity <laughs> it's got two sets of headlights right and the yeah. giant grill and a was it a garbage bag as the the airbag <laughs> the airbag we saw released twice and it's just a plain plastic garbage yeah. bag <laughs> so many details about this are one of the great cinema vehicles yes the it's a classic the light the uh Remember when he's looking for the gas tank and he tears the license? He's looking oh. under the license plate, and, but the gas yeah. tank's like way up at the front of the car. Yeah. Like totally bizarre. In front of the front wheel. Yeah. <laughs> so they, the, the movie opens with him. He's supposed to be picking up a new car that he's ordered. Uh, yeah, and he, you know, sells his the, their current family car in for it. Him and Rusty go. They meet Eugene Levy, who's another great yes. little... Uh, character that pops up. Um, he was another, he was Eugene Levy was more of a second city guy. He was an SCTV yeah. uh, actor who a lot of these guys ran in the same circles, whether they appeared on different shows. You know, there's there's National Lampoons, there's Saturday Night Live, there's Second City, kind of all different uh, elements, but they a lot of them commingle and were friends and part of that comedy fraternity, you know, yeah, as it were. Uh, yeah, there's so there, you're always going to have crossover when you you need someone talented. Yeah, you need someone to play. And, the, the, and these guys cross over all through the definitely the 80s into the 90s, and still you still see some of them. You know, not they don't do that much anymore, but mm-hmm. uh, you still see some of them pop up together. Absolutely. But uh, 
They so they get the car, right? Yeah, they get the car. They Eugene Levy's done screwed up the order somehow. Yeah, and the car they thought they ordered is not there, but this family truckster, uh, this station wagon, is, and they're just kind of forced to go with it. Yes, because by the time they get that family truckster, they've already demolished their old car. <laughs> yeah, besides <laughs> which is within within seconds they've within crushed seconds, it. Like <laughs> they just wheel it back and literally crush it like into a little little box. I was thinking about that. To actually crush a car though, you've gotta you've gotta take so much shit out of it. Yeah. And you know like normally they would like never empty thing. Yeah, yeah. They would it. like take the radio out and probably take the seats out or something. Or and, and when all the all the liquids have got to come out. Yeah. No, nope, they just wheel like, it back and just, crush it like yeah. it can. It's beautiful. Uh, it was a 1979 Ford LTD Country Squire is the original uh, family truckster. So it, just a little tidbit it's for a, you. It, They modified that, and it was beautiful. Yeah, it Metallic P. Metallic P. Yeah. Do you ever did did you have one of those cars growing up? Did you have a station wagon? No, we, the best we did was uh, um, was a Chevy Astro van. Uh, mm-hmm. That was our the way we got around as a yep. family. Yeah, um, but uh, did it have seat? Like, what was the back of the van? It was uh, bucket seats in the front, two bucket seats in the middle, and then a bench seat in the back. And that is that. That was our car from I don't even know eighty seven. And I'm now the fourth kid in the family. I've been you know been there already for years, but this was like we'd always have to take two cars if we were doing stuff. Yeah, uh, and so by the, so we got this so we can do stuff and what is one unit, mm-hmm. and that would be our that was our road trip car, uh, for years. And I mean, we only had really one. We had we would go down to Ocean City, Atlantic City, Ocean City, yeah, Maryland, baby, mm. dirty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then also Hilton Head Island, it's off the coast of South Carolina, yeah, by the Georgia border. Um, it's about 800, 700 miles, 800 miles maybe. It seemed like forever. And we were doing the trip in two days, half a day and half a day kind of thing. Uh, but then when it was just me and my elder brother uh, in that car the one time, because my older, my older siblings were in college, they would meet us later or something. So it was just me and my brother in this car. We put all the luggage in a bubble thing up on the roof. Oh, my God, yeah. And it was like, the idea was, well, we'll do it in one shot and we'll leave at night. So we'll get there right, you know, at the middle of the day and we can enjoy the day. So we'll take the bench seat out and we'll lay the two children on the ground, on the floor. And they will sleep through the night on the, on, oh my God, on the bottom. Of the, and I like, so we, like we, it was fine. It seemed like kind of an adventure. I, I'm horrified by the thought <laughs> to just have two children loose in the back of a van screaming down a highway in in the middle of the night and that is the <laughs> 70s and early 80s that was all okay then i mean there was not if anything happened it'd be that would have been it yeah they didn't even have seat belts in half of those cars oh my god well that thing was just the lap belts or something well no i mean in our in our car yeah we, we the bench seats they all had they all had uh Actually, just lap belts on the two. Yeah. And then the bench seat in the back, you could have, yeah. um, you know, a real a proper seat belt. Yeah, yeah. But um, so, you know, that, that there were some safety standards there, but we were not going to... Very minimal. Yeah. yeah. There were no airbags in that thing either or something. I mean, it was a... Ugh, I hated that car. We, we grew up in, in my house. We had a uh, another a van, 
Mm-hmm. It was a red van. I don't remember what the make or model was, but it was a driver's seat, a passenger seat. There were no buckets. It was an empty van. There was like there was like a what? bench along one side, and oh. one, one spot had a lap belt. Otherwise, you were just rolling around back oh, there, Jesus. completely unsafe. <laughs> Uh, would not fly today. Oh but. my god! So that's like the like I've never actually been in any vehicle like that. Like, and I, you see it in movies all the time. Mm-hmm. And like, my only frame of reference for van, were the actual minivans, like the, designed yeah. for the family unit. You yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, so then, like these like vans, where you, you know you you're using it to basically transport stuff. Yeah, it's not like which for, we weren't. I don't even know why we had it. <laughs> I have no idea why we had it. So would you guys drive? I was around? an only child, you so know? it's like we didn't even have like. <laughs> multiple kids to schlep around there wasn't like so every time you went on trips with your folks in that van no we 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 did road trips in our our other car okay mostly because it was just me and them but (laughs) but all my friends had or not all a bunch of my friends had uh something like the family truckster that station wagon with like you know we'd sit in the back and i and i thought i remember like you're facing out yeah you could face it out that was the best i oh my couple of friends had that i i think it was only on one I've only been in one of their cars mm-hmm. once. Yeah, sitting in the back while we're traveling. And, and I, I remember birth, a bunch of birth birthday parties that mm-hmm. coming back from, and we're, there's like four of us in the back there. That was that was the best. Yeah, uh, but the but, perfect vehicle for at the time for road trips and yeah, it has that. It's it's roomier. It's got yeah. that extra space, luggage, and of course that's uh, that's that's what the Griswolds took. That's what the Griswolds took. So they're basically the the whole plot of the movie. Now we're just getting to that, but the Clark is Clark Griswold is going to take the family on a trip from Chicago to uh, to Los Angeles or the Los Angeles area to go to Wally World, yeah. which was the substitute for Disney World. Yeah, they, Disney, or Disneyland. Disneyland is out here. Disneyland. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're in LA, by the way. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> City of Angels. Yeah. Um, so they originally did want to have Disneyland in there, but the Disney objected to it because they didn't ever want to be, and spoiler alert, they didn't want to portray themselves as ever having been closed. Right. They didn't, is... they didn't want people to ever think that Disneyland would be closed, which is, as everybody knows who's seen this, is what happens at the end when they get there, all the way there through this whole movie and all these adventures and, and Wally World's closed for repairs. So considering the content of the movie, their biggest point of contention was we don't want to ever seem like we're not oh, we're not available to our, our customers. Which I can understand, but it's insane. That's, there's a, like, that's, that's one good point yeah. to be, be to objection. You know, one good objection. There's a lot of stuff. There's, maybe there's you don't a lot want of Disney. racy stuff in here that that you know minors and drug use and implied incest. And implied uh, incest. No, they they didn't object to any of that. To That's fine. Corpses being left on. Uh, but Disneyland does not close. <laughs> no, right. That's they a, may close a ride, but not the park. No. So I've been at Disney when it's raining and there's the whole sh- park shuts down and everyone's just soaked. You can't ride on any rides. Yeah. Like when it's ra- like with electrical, like yeah, lightning. Yeah. And uh, it's a nightmare. Storms and people are just c- cowering. Mm-hmm. It's it's frightening. Yeah. It's awful. What I'm saying is don't go to Disney World in Florida. When it it might it, yeah. it might rain. Yeah. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the whole plot of the movie is uh, he's going to take the family there and 
and rather than do your standard uh, you know direct route to get there quickest he wants to make it a thing and stop and look at some of the sites on the way and maybe go out of the way a little bit um, which is Clark's first Clark is always ha- has the always has these big grand ideas but uh, fails in the execution of them yeah well on a macro level and a micro level he can't everything is is a disaster for him uh on this trip right like his his heart's in the right place yeah and why and that i think that's the why beverly d'angelo let me just say is is amazing as as ellen griswold and and kind of another grounding factor she's can be wacky but she's a real grounding factor to, to clark's craziness well, it it doesn't work if if even if she's just tolerating him and he's just a big buffoon. Like she's tolerating his his shit, but it's it's like because she loves him because yeah. he's try, he's still trying to be the the patron. You know, he's, he's trying to be the hero dad and the yeah. good husband and yeah. And but he tries too hard. <laughs> he tries too hard to make yeah. And he has a whole monologue with Rusty about why he's doing this trip. And, yeah. And he's and he says a couple times about how he he spends. 50 weeks out of the year working his ass off and not and missing his children growing up Mm. so like in the midst of all this wackiness and zaniness like there's just those little things that just secure your like oh why you can like this guy or relate to him yeah like who wouldn't want to relate to a father well it keeps you rooting for him yeah yeah even though it's just like jesus it's a total nightmare yeah he can't get anything done right blowing money left and right just getting swindled Getting taken yeah, remember, you remember the St. Louis sequence? Oh, well, yeah. That's there's there's a sequence uh, where they stop in St. Louis and they get it's supposed to be where they get lost and they're on the wrong side of town. Yes, um, wrong side of the tracks. Yeah, and it's a very it's the one sequence that that really has aged poorly. Yeah, it's uh, Harold Ramis kind of disowned it. Not long after the movie came out, it, it didn't take long for him to realize that that was not the way he want, really wanted to do that scene. It, it comes off very racist. It's yeah. It's um, you know that they, they're driving at night and oh, it's really it's on the Warner Brothers it's a lot. Bad but, neighborhood. Yeah, the bad neighborhood, and it, it's you know you've got people who are like pimps and just standing on street corners and they stop to ask for directions and they start taking the hubcaps off his car and right. it's just it's really over the top and it's it's uh you can see why s- the 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 basis of humor it's like you the very basic a bad neighborhood but then when you actually put it together put it on screen and you, they filled that neighborhood with people i mean it actually looked like a bustling neighborhood yeah but it was black people on the streets yeah. at night yeah so none of this is a good thing like you hear gunshots going off and it's just it's crazy yeah there was a gunshot and a woman screaming to death like, yeah and then and no one's reacting to it because this yeah. is what it's like in a bad part of town yeah it's just troubling i guess is the the word yeah <laughs> yeah i mean and i get where they were coming from and that like when you do i mean i've had on road trips where i've where i get you know lost and in the wrong part of town and and there is a there is a like you you have a sense of of danger but this was done in a totally like racist way yeah very overt cartoon almost cartoonish uh in the way which is unfortunately you're gonna see that in some 80s movies like you're gonna 
it's it's something that that was done then. then. There were there were things that weren't considered mm-hmm. to. They were considered like um, controversial, but in a but not not for the right reasons. Like, yeah, you know they're doing it because it's controversial, but not because not because they're not they're not going deep in into yeah. that because yeah. then they would know what they're doing is is just wrong. Like, yeah, it's the one. This this is the one part of the movie that that has aged poorly and doesn't yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, and I think you could probably you just cut it out. You could cut out the whole thing. Yeah, it wouldn't I mean, matter. Other than the damage to their car, yeah, which kind of progresses through the movie. There's no real tie to uh, right to anything later on. Yeah, th- well, that's well, that's what's great about the movie, though, right? Because it's it's every it's a new story. You know, they arrive at a new place, and another another bunch of obstacles yeah. happen, and so like that's. That's what's kind of great about that this kind of trip, right? Like mm-hmm. that you would go on this well, thing. Yeah, it starts as they say. It starts as a quest for fun, mm-hmm. and it is a progression into madness. By the <laughs> yes, end. yeah. Um, so another big uh, sequence, and I I don't remember if it's next or not, but um, another huge element of the movie is how can how can we talk about the movie and not talk about Christy Brinkley? Right. Well, you have to. She's. You have to. You have to. I mean, that was two things for me. Christy Brinkley was the first, I think the first woman I was in love with. Oh, wow. Yeah. She was she was my number one for a, a very long time, but hmm. starting with this movie. Uh, she's a sort of vision that Clark encounters on the road that, you know, when his family's asleep and he's driving... She's this beautiful blonde who pulls up in this. It's a cor- it's cor- Oh no, Ferrari. Yeah, red Ferrari. Pulls up in this red Ferrari next to him and is just flirty with him and and he's trying to basically trying to keep up with her. Yeah. Uh, and she appears a couple of times throughout the movie, but um, she's just like incredible. It's this 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 absurd thing that happens that only Clark is aware of and. You know, we get to so we get to watch it happen, and then of course we eventually get to see if she's real or not. Well, not that it's a big mystery; she's clearly real. Yeah, she's a real person, but is is he what he's fancy. seeing is that is that his vision version of reality, or, or is that reality as it's happening? Yeah, and uh, luckily she was into him. That she yeah. The, so they they pass each other a couple of times, and he gets so distracted. You know, he almost runs off the road. He's got a fantasy of him in the car with her. Yeah. Uh, but later on, when they meet at, when they, they they meet up at the, or one of the times they meet up is at the truck st- at a truck stop. Yeah, yeah. When uh, it's this whole, what uh, it, it's a strange scene because it's really hard to tell what is what is reality here. <laughs> yeah. She's like, she's playing this one song is playing. It's her theme song yeah. that you know shows up every time she's in the movie um little boy sweet is yeah. the name of it and uh it appears every time she's there but she's stopped at a truck stop while clark's with his family and they're having this picnic lunch and these she's outside her ferrari and all these truck drivers are like oogling at her and and the theme song's playing and it's like is it playing in clark's head is it playing in from her car mm-hmm. is it neither of that and nothing's playing and that's just part of the movie or it's just what he sees which is and yeah. it's so odd because she's she's having a beer or a soda 
or something. The two, the trucker. It, it seems like they're with her. Cause like it seems yeah. like they provided her. With like her. they, yeah. But she's just like standing she's around dancing, dancing for, for Clark, kind of and flirty and just doing those motions. And then of course Chevy, the physical physicality master, you know, improvising probably these yeah. little these flirtatious movement. All he has is a bologna sandwich yeah. in his hands. Like how do you make that sensual and flirty? He can and, make a bologna sandwich funny. <laughs> yeah. And he does it perfectly, and uh, <laughs> she, uh, she, she is the that thing like that. He's trying to chase this. He's got this quest for fun. He's got this family. He's trying to do right by him. But boy, like, what a what what about this woman? He he's got to know if he's still got it, and he thinks he does. Yeah, he definitely. It's like the youth side of him yeah. that still still exists. Mm-hmm. You see it a couple of times in like that sexual, that weird sexual side of clark right kinda. because yeah him and uh what was her? ellen ellen yeah. like clark and ellen like they have a they have you could tell they have a healthy sexual relationship yeah that you know uh that comes out uh what a couple times a couple times in the, the movie sh- yeah you know the shower scene the shower scene and then the one hotel scene they're in the under the covers or something yeah, right yeah and like yeah. the kids walk in on it, and it's like whatever. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know. They're like, it's like they kind of know what they're doing, but kind of don't. Yeah, and they don't, they don't care. Like, yeah, we're gonna go. Um, but uh, he, so he, he's a he's a virile. He's still a virile man who thinks he can get beautiful women no matter how old he is. Yeah, and this is speaking of beautiful women. Yeah. Beverly D'Angelo is also a beautiful woman here. Absolutely, she was these. Uh, you see her breasts in the film. I think that oh, was right. the first time. I think that was the first time. I know I saw Police Academy around this time too. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think the one of those those were the first times I'd seen breasts on yeah. film. Really, breasts on film. I I think I'd seen Vacation on TV so much, so I never would have seen it. Uh, like we didn't have a copy of the movie, but for me, it probably could have been either Airplane. Oh yeah, airplane. Yeah. Um, or or police academy, something that would have been on HBO. Yeah, um, but it's a staple of these like zany '80s comedies. <laughs> yeah, there's always boobs. There's got to be, you know. <laughs> there's got to be. Brunch, doesn't so. that doesn't work in the current climate? But right. Uh, back then, it was that's what they were doing. Sometimes it, it's it's weird because it's not it's it's not a it's not erotic in any way. It's I guess it's just a little titillating. But then it's also just kind of silly sometimes. It's just like. Here's some boobs for you. It's totally gratuitous. It's just like, here you go. Yeah. Yeah, There's your boob shot. Yeah. Because we can. Like, that's why they're in there. Because we can. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, it's a, um, it's definitely of its time. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know, now, now these, uh, male, male directors have to work in a, a reason to show the boobs. Yeah. I mean, not like in this, this way. But there's some, it's got to make sense. There's some yeah. modern movies where you're just sort of like, do we have to? Why is she naked? Like, yeah. Why or why are we showing her this yep. way? Because uh, anyway, it's a different. It was a different time. Uh, the next uh, another big sequence that they uh, that's in the film that is kind of iconic is when we meet the cousin Eddie character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie so they stop in where the Kansas, I believe. Somewhere in Kansas. Uh, they're stopping at Ellen's cousin's house mm-hmm. who is married to eddie played by randy quaid probably i don't know would you say that randy randy quaid's been in a lot of movies yeah he's kind of off his rocker these days but yeah. has done a lot of movies in the kind of started in like the early 70s yeah um but i think this character's got to be his 
most famous, most memorable character. Well, I, I mean, think he's been so. in a lot of great movies, but yeah, I think yeah, I think Eddie's probably that's if you think of of him of Randy Quaid, you're thinking of that Eddie he, character because yeah. then when he shows back up in Christmas Vacation, yeah, I mean, I think so... more of him. I think more of him in Christmas Vacation, yeah. Um, because he's in more of the movie. That's true. Yeah, he's got like part. a plot line. You know? Yeah, but here it's just one kind of, what, like 10-minute segment? 10 or 15 minutes. That's yeah. all it took, I think. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably his most enduring character for, for what he's what he's done. What else? I mean, what are his other... Uh, he's been... I mean, I know he's been in a lot of stuff. We could do a whole Let's show on Randy Quaid. Do the Randy Quaid hour. Um, um, but, so, they stop at... Ellen's cousin's house or their ranch, I guess, their farm. I think their farm. It's yeah. not yeah, it's a that's not really uh, functioning and they're they're really poor. They're really um I don't know, kinda everything's dirty and kinda gross there. But it's all dirty and gross to the Griswolds. Yeah. No, normal well, to them. And probably normal. to the and maybe to the audience too would gross. Yeah. But this is this is just who they are. Yeah. Like and there's no it 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 almost seems like it's a uh, you know elite elite people making fun of sort of living like that. But I think I don't think there was any kind of uh, I think there's a pride to those characters. Yeah, like this is just who they are. Yeah, yeah. You know? Like and they're down and out. You know, they're yeah. they're they don't have any money. Eddie's been out of a job, and mm-hmm. um, but this we meet for the first time ever. Jane Krakowski, Jane her Krakowski. screen debut as as cousin eddie's daughter yeah she was a teen a pot pot dealing yeah teen who uh who makes kool-aid by pouring it into the pitcher of water and then just stirring it with her hand yeah a lot of little kind of gross not gross but that's like just you said normal to them normal right? to them. <laughs> but chubby. there's so many what a, like this is this is the really to me this is the really crazy sequence of the movie because you've got you the the whole family when they get there the kids kind of hole up with the kids mm-hmm. and uh, what was what was um do you remember jane krakowski's name i can't uh, i just i just drew a blank I'm on blanking it, but, on it unfortunately. but the two daughters kind of pair off together right uh, audrey is the daughter she's played by dana baron so they go off together and they're talking about you know pot and mm-hmm. they're i mean how old are they 12 13 it's supposed to be yeah it's probably 13 yeah maybe 12. but like they've got a whole and kiss and french kissing or whatever yeah right? they talk so about well they talk about smoking pot a... they introduce you know she introduced jane krakowski's character introduces audrey to to drugs mm-hmm. and it shows her a whole stash of pot that she's got but they also talk about you know french kissing and and jane what does jane krakowski say was, well, well audrey wasn't impressed like you know uh, that she that she was French kiss, and but then Jane says, "Yeah, but my daddy says I'm the best one. I'm the best at it." And it's just sort of like, like Jesus, crazy. <laughs> like it's just. I mean, it's it's a joke, uh-huh. and it's it's meant to be there. But like, I don't. You know, yeah. now it's like that's uh, horrifying. It's horrifying to think about that because yeah. it's just it's not funny. You know, and I, I mean it. It fits in this sort of caricature of this family of this in the South. So it's like it teeters. Teeters on like being completely and completely offensive as like uh, as a uh, them as like you know an archetype of this type of family. Yeah. To just here's just some silly shit. Yeah. And uh, so of course, of course, like Audrey's a little 
Audrey's exposed to that. And then, yeah, now she, she's got her marijuana cigarettes, I think, yeah. when she leaves. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, she, yeah, she takes she, a stash with her. She gets a stash with her. And the, the, the boys kind of go off on their own. Oh, yeah. And uh, Rusty's played by Ant- the, great, the great Anthony Michael Hall. Sure. Back then, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're talking about bopping your baloney. Bopping your baloney. He doesn't. Masturbating. He, he's never even seen a pornographic magazine. Yeah. I think. But then, didn't he? He wanted to buy one off him, but the other. Yeah. Did he get it one, or did the kid? And like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I always kind of saw when I saw that scene. I was like, Is he gonna like show him how to masturbate? And what road are we going down here? <laughs> right. Well, that's that's the sort of that's the weird thing about boys at that age and doing that. It's like, do you really? Are you gonna how do you learn it? How do you learn it? Right. Like so. He, yeah. Like it felt like you could have you could have done a weird scene. But like you don't want that in a movie, like yeah. But it's like here's the introduction to that. Yeah, like it's kind of. It's a bit bizarre. It is like, a little bizarre, but I think both for both of them, it's those are moments that are relatable to a kid at some age. Not that it's like we're, that wasn't the point of the scenes. They were just supposed to be funny, right? And it's just like yeah, kids jerk off and kids smoke pot, and it's not. Why not show it on film? Like show you know the, present the idea. Like here it is whatever where, how, where do we get with the dog they with dinky right they're they're leaving the campground and as they're leaving the dog's kind of attacking clark right and he just kind of to, 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 to put him to get a to distract him or so he can get away from him he tie, ties him to the bumper ties him to the bumper while so he's putting he, the luggage and stuff away right yeah and then you know the way it's shot is so perfect you would you assume the dog's gonna get back in the car um but uh, cut two. They're on the road. They're on the road. They're driving, and and suddenly a motorcycle cop's pulling him over, played by James Keach. Yes. And it turns out that Clark has forgotten that Dinky was tied to the bumper when he started driving away. Yeah. So not only do we have child drug use and masturbation and and incest, yeah. now we've got uh, animal abuse a- animal thrown cruelty. in the movie. All done comedically. All for a joke. Yeah. And somehow it, it kind of works. <laughs> yeah. A, I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible, but like, because the difference is because he didn't do it on purpose, even yeah. though he did not like that dog. Mm-hmm. He did it, and he doesn't feel bad about it. And he doesn't feel bad. But he didn't do it on purpose, so right. that's kind of the out. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of the saving grace for Clark. So he has to pretend to mourn the dog. Yeah. To front of uh, the cop. In front of the cop. And who lets him ends up letting him go. Yeah. Because the cop is definitely not having. He's not having a good day. Yeah. He's living, reliving some trauma, and Clark's just sort of half smiling, half grieving. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and it's hysterical. And and then he's got to break the news to Aunt Edna that the one thing she loves, uh, he just killed. <laughs> yeah. This. Yeah. This. This. Uh, yeah, sorry. And Aunt Edna, too, by the way, uh, I didn't mention it, is played by Imogene Coca, who oh, was yeah. a, a, an old-time star. She was, uh, like, Sid she was Caesar. a star on the Sid Caesar show. Mm-hmm. Um, so a different era of comedy and sort of a variety show type, you know, was similar to, like, Laugh-In mm-hmm. was sort of a, a follow-up to the Sid Caesar show. and um, An old-time comedy star. But she... Had been in a major car accident in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And after they cast her, and this was sort of like a comeback movie for her mm-hmm. uh, in her later years, 
they found out that she didn't drive. She hated to travel. And yet here she is in a movie <laughs> a about movie. a road trip. Uh, and and in one of the the desert sequence, which we're getting to next, she they were filming one part of that sequence, and while they were shooting, she couldn't remember her lines. And she's in the back seat, and they're just ta- doing take after take after take, and she's just not remembering mm. kind of anything. And they actually had to stop filming... And they believe she had a, a stroke, like right there while they were filming. Wow. So she had to kind of split and and kind of get healthy and get that taken care of while they shot some of the rest of the movie. Eventually, she came back and they they finished all the sequences. But it was a real, it was like the one big scary moment behind the scenes in the making of the movie. Yeah, you know, for a while there, they didn't. I think they didn't know what was going to happen with any of the scenes they hadn't filmed yet and oh, right. you know how could they continue that part of the production but they it ended up ended up working out yeah from a production standpoint solely it's it's kind of uh, it's uh, unnerving if you're gonna if you had to lose one of your actors yeah. that you've already been shooting and yeah. obviously it's horrifying that you know just having a stroke in front of the crew and like oh god yeah. <laughs> like, you know what happened you know but luckily yeah she but yeah she she made back. it back bounced back and she was and, afraid to even uh play that part right that she she never she didn't think she could really play a villain or not a villain but a mean old lady like yeah she, that wasn't the type of character she yeah that, that was yeah like that was i like, didn't i didn't really ever watch the sid caesar show yeah. I, I remember it through you know what my parents had told me about it but mm-hmm. yeah she was she always played wacky characters but not yeah not like know, mean mean or like, unlikable like Anne Edna was. yeah but uh, i think that's what made it perfect yeah it, but someone who's good-natured only plays good characters than turning it and playing yeah. playing an asshole yeah. <laughs> playing yeah. a, a real crotchety person um, so then perfect. the uh, the desert sequence where they somehow they get lost and they're on a freeway that just ends yeah the, well Clark refused to ask to consult the map he, he, yeah. he was convinced he knew where he, he, knew was, where going. he was going the stubborn dad not asking the Utah for desert somewhere yeah, in the middle of nowhere and suddenly the freeway just ends and, and the the family truckster kind of like launches off the end of the freeway and yeah. smashes and crashes into the desert. And it's the most. It's just the the the, the actual shot of the car just taking the, just going down. Oh yeah, that car is it's total. hysterical. Yeah. It's yeah. like they couldn't. They didn't plan it to, to look that way. Right. It, it overshot and almost. It could have. Well, it's so front heavy that yeah. it's gonna like the minutes in the air. It's gonna just drop. So. But there's there's something so funny about it just yeah. dropping and almost flipping over yeah. and it looked it looked great it was yeah the idea that the whole family would be in there and that's how it and, and they're all like in the front seat right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> and didn't the airbag like not, i can't remember if that airbag deployed even i that, think he, that shitty airbag i think it deployed at, uh when he was getting out of the car yeah like after it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh anyway but uh so now they're stuck in the desert and clark's got to you know figure out what to do yeah he's what would you do i mean if you're this is one of the most annoying, worst parts of a road trip is if you blow a tire out or, yeah. you know, I guess people still run out of gas sometimes. That can happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and having to pull over and stop. And then I, I've had to do that on our road trips. We were in New Mexico and pull over. Like, and there you're not near anything. Yeah. So what do you do? Wouldn't you... Would you follow the road back to the next stop or gas station or town? Yeah, that's probably the logical logical thing to do. Yeah, 
Not for Clark Griswold, though. Yeah. He's in the middle he's, of the Monument Valley. He's in the desert. He's going to he take a shortcut through the desert. He's like, I'm just a phone around here somewhere. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. And they just goes off. Like, yeah. it's, it's insanity. It's, and before he goes, though, he's got that moment with Rusty, which is one of the... We learn. Yeah, good heart-to-heart. He's going to have a heart-to-heart with Russ and yeah. share a beer. Yeah. Who, like, Anthony Michael Hall, did some great improv and just down the whole beer yeah. right there instead of handing it back and forth right uh in a good father-son moment but um then clark heads off in the desert and what is it some native americans right like yeah some, some some native american cowboys are are see him in the distance see him like and they could tell he's already been in the desert for a long time he tied his pants to yeah. his, his head and all of that or and, more uh, good physical comedy from yeah. chevy and he's just going and struggling, and they just look at each other, and what an asshole. What an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> they don't help him. They just say, what an asshole. But then they're the ones who end up going and rescuing the rest of the family. Yeah. And bringing them to whatever, wherever this gas station is. Yeah. This nearby one. That Clark ends up having to find, even though we we see him pass out more next to a uh, skeleton like yeah. that, that that had a gas can yeah it's such a they don't focus on the skeletons so you have to be paying attention right. it's like it's some other father yeah some <laughs> other dad had died <laughs> yeah it's hysterical uh but so he makes it and then we see two more uh what is it the, the gas station attendants who are bringing his car back yeah and are the town sheriffs oh, right. are uh more character actors john deal and uh, Mickey Jones. Mickey Jones. Mickey Jones just passed away. As of this recording. Shows up in Total Recall. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, V, if anyone remembers mm-hmm. V, the original miniseries. Well, actually, he's in the second part, which is oh. the final battle. Oh. I know a lot about V. Okay. Um, uh, but John Deal is kind of a bigger 80s, 80s person, too, because he goes on to Miami Vice. He's one of the series regulars uh, in Miami yeah. Vice. Yeah. And then, like, tons of other movies. Yeah, he shows up in everything. I mean, Stargate, The Client. I'm sure those are movies right on the tips of everybody's uh, tongues right now. Everyone's talking about The Client. Everyone's talking about John Grisham's The the Client. client. (laughs) Was that Susan Sarandon? That was. That was, okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's all Uh, And then you think he's on The the Shield later on. Oh, yeah. He's the cool character on that one. He's great in everything. Yeah, he's always an actor that I kind of... I liked for some reason. I don't know what it was about him that that drew me to him, but yeah. he's got that kind of acne face, like you know that real uh, like Robert Davi from okay. the Goonies, like oh, yeah. like very. Um, well, Bill Murray has it too a little bit. That, yeah, you know, pox, pox Yeah, kind of I guess that's what it is. Yeah, but, but really recognizable. Yeah, yeah. Like they may not be like movie star handsome, but. There's something about it too. I mean, he's got that gentle voice. But yeah. He, you know, he could turn it. You know, he becomes. Oh, he's in stripes too. I forgot. All right. Yeah. So, but you know, as we see him dealing with Clark, he's he's swindling him out of whatever. He's going to take all the money out of Clark's pocket. Yeah. Uh, because he rep- they repaired the car. Yep. Um, so then, while he has that gentle voice that he has, he's threatening. Yeah. <laughs> like he's yeah. Clark has to hand over all his money. They don't. Yeah, there's no gun. They don't pull a gun. They just they reveal that, that they're the sheriff. The, yeah. These two guys are the sheriff. So yeah, not a, he's forced to give them whatever money he's got. Yeah, he's not even holding a crowbar or anything. Right. right. I think he might be like he might have. He's got something. Maybe. But saying. then he pulls out his wallet. And there's, yeah. There's the sheriff's badge. Yeah. Like, what would your sheriff think about this? Um. 
So they, yeah, then they, they all kind of get back in the car, which is in really bad shape by this point. Mm-hmm. It's like, I guess, drivable, but yeah. barely. Well, as it drives away from that gas station, you see the, the, the tires are, yeah. all four tires are wobbling, <laughs> like, whack, back and forth. Yeah. Which is a neat gag. I was wondering, I was like, how do they, how do they actually, how do they do that? They have professionals. They, got, they know what they're they doing. Teamsters who do that. That's their, their job. Yeah. Uh, so they're back on the road. They hit uh, is it the Grand Canyon next? They Grand Canyon. They they make a very quick stop there. <laughs> That's one of my favorite shots of the movie. Too, yeah, they they're trying to. They've lost their credit cards, uh, or one of the. They've lost like Ellen's cards, but Clark still has his. Yeah, but he doesn't have. But any cash. He has that. Any cash. Yeah. And they had reported her cards stolen when they lost them. Oh, yeah, and his so the guy won't let him. The the teller won't let him book a room there. Yeah, because there's credit cards aren't any good. And then like Clark wanted to write him a check. Like, all right, well then I'll give you this check. You can give me money. Yeah, give me cash so I can have cash. Guy won't do it. Yeah. Uh, and then. Clark. And you can really like identify with Clark in this scene too, because he's really trying to. Re- he's in a bad spot. He's trying to be you know reason with this guy who's just not budging at all. Yeah. Yeah, he's desperate. Help yeah. me. He's like, I'll give you seven hundred dollars. Yeah, he or offers something. him like, like money. triple the amount. Yeah, just to just to float him some cash. Yeah, and that guy won't do it. So then, when the guy has to go, what take a phone call or something? Yeah, he the guy walks away. Clark like punches the you know slams his hand on the counter and it pops the register open. Yeah, and so he writes the he leaves the check and steals the money. So yeah, he, he actually still does sort of another the right thing. moral thing by Clark Griswold that yeah. while he is stealing. Yeah. He's still, he's actually giving them extra money still. Yeah, so he leaves that, but he's yeah. got to get the hell out of there. Yeah. So he runs to find the family at the Overlook. Yeah, the Overlook of the Grand Canyon, which is one of the most beautiful places, like, in the world. Yeah. And he just runs up, like, bobs his head a couple like, of times, and, like, let's go. We right. go. He's, like, taking it in, like, okay, yep. And just uh, more Chevy physical comedy. And by this point, we kind of have forgotten about Aunt Edna. Right. That she's just she's kind she's of there, there, but like she's not out of the car at the Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. But they, this is about the sequence where they rec- where they realize that she is, uh, yeah, she has passed, <laughs> and Edna has passed, and Audrey's got a great line that uh, she's uh, uh, she breathed on me, a dead right. person breathed on me. Yeah, they're also my like, favorite lines of the movie. They pull over and they all. Fly out of the car and like, yeah, she breathed on me. Yeah, and then what? If, oh, because that's right. They were going through me. her purse because they wanted. She, they thought she was asleep, and Clark has the kids go through her purse to look for any money. Yeah, yeah, and and that's when they realize she's dead. That she's not moving. Yeah, yeah, uh, and then so the now they're in the middle of this road trip with the, with the corpse. They have to get to Phoenix. Do they drop the her off where, where they were bringing her in the first? They were going to bring her. They had to like. It, it's it's a it's a total nightmare situation. The yeah. vac- vacation is basically canceled. That's yeah. what it feels like, yeah. right? You can't. What do you? They doing? get there now. Someone's dead. They've yeah. got a dead body. They're dealing with, which they just leave at, at at their cousin's house. Clark somehow figures out, convinces them that the best thing they're going to do. Well, they were going to drop him up, but then of course it's it's raining in Phoenix. Yeah, storming. So then they have to leave her in the rain in a in a bag and the cousin is like not even there they've gone on like a trip to yeah somewhere the cousin left a note that he'd to be Reno back in a something. few days yeah. or something so <laughs> just now you're stuck with a dead body at the yeah. house nothing you can do and, and this is where clark like 
really kind of loses it. He he's loses been pushed it. over. He's he's reached that point of madness. Yeah, the madness has come. Quest for fun is over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're almost there. They're in Phoenix. They're they're you know more than three quarters of the way there. They're almost to California. Yeah. Uh, so what they they have a wonderful prayer vigil for her, uh, and then um, it was time to it was time to go. Uh, and they and they decide to keep you know he convinces them to keep keep going keep going somehow they they he can he rallies the team yeah it's amazing they uh, so they head to Wally World so Los Angeles it is and sunny California yeah they uh, use the interior let's see the exterior was the Santa Anita Raceway I believe the parking lot yeah the parking yeah. lot uh-huh. uh huh and then the interior of the park is Magic Mountain. All in, all in L- the LA Six Flags, area. yeah. Six Flags Magic. Yeah, no. yeah. is that what it's called? Is it Magic Mountain? Yeah, Six Flags Magic Mountain. Oh, okay, yeah. I've never been to Magic Mountain. Ah, oh, well, it's, we're we're right near it. Yeah, I, should, I could go anytime. I should get the the season pass. Um, so they uh, and this the whole uh, the whole Wally World sequence is great. Mm-hmm. They the parking lot the the chariots of fire spoof like is always funny to me mm-hmm. every time. They show up and there's no other cars in the parking lot. Doesn't register. That does not register that something might be amiss here. Yeah, yeah. Takes one of the furthest spots away so, you know, you can leave quicker. Maybe the first one out. Yeah. (laughs) And have this Chariots of Fire. Clark and Rusty have this race that's a spoof of Chariots of Fire. That I don't know. That always gets me. That Uh little bit. Like, the looks, the expressions on his face that he's making with Rusty. His, like, how he, like, trails back and then runs ahead Mm -hmm. and then... And I think he beats Rusty. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, totally, he has to win. He's not going to let his no. son win. <laughs> uh, and then we've got a Harold Ramis cameo yeah. as the voice of Wally, who's the Moose uh, character who's basically like Mickey Mouse, mm-hmm. who's in, got an announcement that the park is closed. And then you thought Clark had lost his mind before, but now he's really lost it. Yes. He, what, he piles them back in the car, drives, yeah. drives it back into town. He takes up a gun. He goes to a pawn shop <laughs> to buy a gun, <laughs> and he what he so then he leads the family up to the gate, security gate. Yeah, and um, and we see uh, one of our well, our last major major actor here. Mm-hmm. Now we see John Candy. John Candy appears. Uh, I forget what his character's name is, but he they, got John Candy mm-hmm. got a million dollars for that for this for this thing. They probably was, filmed it in like two days. Well. Three days. Let me rewind for a second. Yeah. This was not the original ending of the movie. Right. The original ending actually is really similar to the Christmas Vacation ending, where they the, they go to the park, the park's closed, and then they go to Roy Wally's house, kidnap him. Mm-hmm. Shoot and, him? Shoot no, him in the leg? Oh, no, in they the don't story. shoot him, but... In the story, he shoots him <clears> in the leg, I think. They, um, you know, have the same heart-to-heart that they have at the end of this sequence, but... Uh, they end up taking a plane ride home and the plane they realize they're on the wrong plane and it's going the wrong direction and Clark ends up hijacking the plane to take it to take it back to Chicago and, oh, yeah. and it was just like when audiences saw that ending it was a really big turn off and they, they did not like it uh. so they had to reshoot this whole Wally World ending and they added John Candy in and they were desperate to make it funny and make it work so they wanted they like, all right, John Candy, like, we'll pay you a million dollars to do this really small role right at the end of the movie. 
but let's make this sequence work. Holy shit. So they end up taking him hostage. Yeah. To ride all the rides. Like, they're, Clark is determined to they're all do gonna, what they set out to do. They're going to have their family fun yeah. at Wally World. <laughs> the first ride they go on, I think, are, like, little little cars like uh, yeah. that, like, kids would ride. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then they go on to the big rides, and you saw, you saw them getting visibly ill while they're, yeah. while they're doing it. Which was course, really happening. They were all really, um, really sick you know got motion sickness i mean they're riding roller coasters like all day. for days all day all day, day for days yeah. yeah just to get all these shots like i don't blame i can't do roller coasters so, oh yeah. you should though but candy's great in it and it, uh, you know he's always just such a happy face mm-hmm. you know you just can't not love john candy love john candy he uh he 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 was really matter of fact like even though he's got clark's got a gun he's just like talk He's just trying to like yeah. make it a pleasant situation. Yep. <laughs> like it's, it's perfect. And then we've got we've get our, our next piece, which is a common piece in a lot of these Saturday Night Live related movies, mm-hmm. the SWAT team. <laughs> yeah, the SWAT team appearance. Right, and they always got to end with the SWAT team coming in and taking over and you know ruining the the party. Right, uh, which they do here. Well, we see it, what in Blues Brothers. Blues Brothers. We see it. There's a SWAT. There's an army in Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Christmas Vacation. Christmas we Vacation. Have again. The police are all there. Yeah. Um, you, you, any any good story ends with uh, law like law enforcement. Law enforcement. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Just lots of any good story. Uh, and then you know Roy Wally has a heart to heart with Clark, and Clark is able to convince him to not like. Him press charges and yeah. and they they connect and because Roy's done Roy Wally's done like a similar family road trip again mm-hmm. like people can identify with what has happened to Clark yeah. and what he was trying to do but he's super lucky that uh, he gets away with it yeah no charges will be will be filed yeah and, and, it's, a, and it's it's your happy ending then yeah. they, they end up after the credits uh, you get one still image of the original ending, which is you see a shot after the credits end. You see the family with their Wally World hats on right. a plane flying back to Chicago. Right, right. So, oh man, I'd love, to, I'd do anything to see those that, that original. Ending. I don't think you can. I don't know. I have never seen clips of it, but yeah. I, it might be out there. It, who knows? But uh, but then even I think what the, the the happy ending happens, and then they go back in the park, and the SWAT team's on the roller coaster with them too. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, like, the last the shot is them coming the freeze frame of them going down the roller coaster with everybody. Right. Roy Wally, Candy. It's a party. The SWAT team, yeah. Well, like, and then other than Blues Brothers, that's how all these movies ends with the SWAT team. It's like a yeah. party, right? Like, yeah. the, even at the not that there's a police presence in Caddyshack, but then it turns into a big party. Yeah, it's a end. big party. It's a, yeah, it's just well, they're celebrate. they're feel good, they're feel good comedies. Yeah, you know, you get your happy ending here. And um, and it's a, a great movie. It's I think it still, you know, it holds up. So that so let's address that the from a modern and I think we've touched on some of these things as we've talked about. Yeah. From, but from a modern audience perspective, or you know, just uh, having from today, does this movie still hold up? Will people does do people find it funny? Do people enjoy it? Get something out of it? Yeah. Like, I think. I do. I do. I do too. I think there, like we talked about, there are sequences in it that don't hold up, yeah. and some things that have maybe aged. Mm-hmm. 
But as a whole, I think, yeah, it's still funny. Mm -hmm. It still works. And the reason is, you, we've said it many times today, like, you can identify with Clark. Yeah. And that's the grounding thing. There's always a level of how much you can identify with these characters, with these 80s comedies, that some of them are just so extreme that it's just ridiculous and unbelievable and silly. Yeah. But this, there's a real grounding. Clark is a regular human, you know? Yeah. And a real person that you can get behind. Yeah, I think if, if the movie heightened all the screwballness up even a little, I think it would be, it'd be less... Like, to, like it, there'd be something off about it. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, it's just sort of this normal family with more or less a normal kind of asshole dad, but, yeah. but with with a good heart. You yeah. Know? And then going through and then just coming across every possible thing that makes, that's going to drive someone mad. Yeah. And then he's, he, and it's his quest and it's his, and it, he's driven to extremes. And he's uh, so, and Chevy Chase is just so funny. He's just so good in this. His timing, his physical comedy. Uh, I mean, he's really at his peak. Clark Griswold is, I mean, Chevy's iconic character. Yeah. I mean, he, Chevy was at his best playing Clark Griswold. He had other good movies. Sure. But a lot of them don't hold up. Funny Farm, Nothing But Trouble. Mm. You know, there's some a lot of other ones that, and even some of the vacation movies don't, don't work as well. I'll say this. I watched Fletch for the first time in years, mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. And uh, as like a double feature, mm -hmm. it was like Fletch and Teen Wolf or something. Yeah. I went with a friend, and uh, boy, Fletch is not good. Like I didn't, I I had a couple laughs, but I'm like everyone talked about how great Fletch is. Yeah, I'm like, what it's, are you talking about? Yeah, I it's, don't... it's like, what is it trying to be funny? Is it a drama? Like I don't a drama that has funny moments, and yeah. I, I don't know. It's kind of neither, but yeah. I think I, I think people might. I, I, I get why people might like things about it or whatever, but yeah. I just didn't understand why. Is Fletch Lives better? Is that Fletch Lives is? I remember. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember loving Fletch Lives when it came out. I saw it in the theater, and it's much more of a comedy. So maybe Fletch Lives is what everyone's loving. Fletch Lives and Christmas Vacation came out the same year, and it was oh, by that really? point. Oh. By that point, it was like Chevy was cemented in comedy and wasn't really trying to be like the the dramatic leading man that yeah. I think was still happening when Fletch was made. Uh, okay. Um, but yeah, so. So it's a so Fletch lives a little more goofy. Yeah, more definitely more goofy. I remember him playing more characters in the movie too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All his disguises and, and like shit. the poster was like a spoof of Gone with the Wind. Like the poster uh, was a, a spoof. So maybe I have to maybe I have to see Fletch lives. We'll do it. We'll do a show on on the Fletch movies. Yeah, the series. Yeah, the Fletch series. But um, um, so yeah, I think I think I, I watched this movie with my kids and they were like on the floor laughing. They yeah. loved it. They loved Clark. My kids love Christmas Vacation also. Mm -hmm. um, they, uh, you know, and they're 11. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good barometer of, like, today's youth. You know, are they, are they still finding it funny? Yeah, it's because the comedy, good co comedic timing is good comedic timing. And, yes. And, and it lasts. So And, and generally, it's, it doesn't have to be about... It doesn't. Have, there's there's things that are timeless. So it's mm -hmm. like there are those of the time jokes yeah. that you can look at today and say they're kind of troubling or just like not really. Yeah. Don't serve. Don't really you can serve. Talk about it, you know. And yeah, you can be critical of these things, like and but at the same time acknowledging how you know that no matter what, there are things about this that are just too damn funny. Yeah. Um, that work. 
Um, so and I think it, it was a hit. It uh, it came out July 29th, nineteen eighty three. Yeah. Uh, it grossed eight point one or sorry eight point three million opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Sixty one about sixty one million worldwide all time. So that's pretty good that's for pretty good. for a comedy. Yeah. For made on the cheap. Probably, yeah. Uh, made a nice it was a, was a, I think the budget was like fifteen million, something, something like that. I think so. So, well, uh, speaking of grosses, though, so that that's that's the number eleventh movie in terms of grosses in nineteen eighty three. Uh huh. What was so? Do you, can you think of any any of the top ten that would be before that? Like, oh what movies in eighty three? Got me on better? the spot here. I, you're Mister Movie. <laughs> well, that's what Return I call of the Jedi's got to be one. Uh, that's number one. That's number one by a large margin. Large March. Um, large. <laughs> By a large March. That's like 85 or 86. I think so. no. <laughs> uh, 1983. Trading Places? Trading Places, number four, yeah. Uh-huh. What other What other movies? Uh, Beverly Hills Cop was 84. Mm-hmm. 1983. Temple of Doom? No, Temple of Doom's later than that. That's 84. 84, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think it's 84. Um, uh, Another comedy with John Hughes involved? Not Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom's in the top. Is number nine. Wow. It made $64 million And year. Vacation, wow. It, you know, be- it, it, came out, it came out three weeks after the Vacation. Wow. So another, another family-oriented huh. uh, Well, this story. was definitely John Hughes was on the, on the cusp of greatness, which would come in 84 and 85 hmm. and beyond. But in those top ten, we also had uh, some action with uh, Mr. James Bond. No, uh, which well, there's two that year. There's Octopussy, uh-huh. and there's Never oh. Say Never Again. Oh, well, then it w- would be Octopussy. That's the real one. That's yeah. the real one. And then yeah. Never Never Say Never Again. Actually, Never Say Never Again is like th- that's that odd uh, that that it's Sean Connery. That's like not official canon. Oh, okay, you know, ah. it's just a remake of Thunderball. Oh, I see. And then uh, also just then just to just to round it out, Turns of Endearment number two, Flashdance, uh, Flashdance. That's yeah. that's that was the three. The, was so, the right stuff, right the stuff, right stuff in there. Mm, I don't think it was in that. Risky business, risky business. There yep, that was that was number ten. Nice yeah. work. So the other ones were a sudden impact and staying alive. Staying. Oh my God. What's that's that movie? That's a movie. What is that movie? You know, well that's a sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Oh <laughs> yeah, directed by Sylvester Stallone. Oh well, let's get yeah. that on the docket. Well, that's that's on the on the docket. You own that, right? Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, great great money, great year for movies. Yeah. Uh, Big for money. Chevy Chase for Harold Ramis. You know, really boosted them up. Sure. Um, and then the next thing Ramis did was on camera, but Ghostbusters ah, was yeah. his sort of creative follow up. Eighty four. Yeah. What a great year, 84. Oh, don't even... Well, let's I, well, save some. I want to do a lot that. of 84 movies. Yeah. That'd be a great... Oh, great we've got a lot coming. The, the slate is full. We're, we're, we're jam-packed. The dance card is... Yeah, we've, is, got, we've got a whole summer slew of uh, movies here. So we're okay. going to... If you want more of this, but about other movies, <laughs> subscribe and tell your friends. Subscribe on iTunes. iTunes and wherever else you get podcasts probably. Yeah. I don't know, we have to figure out the technical details. Yeah, we're we're still getting ourselves promoted and put out there, but so, uh we hope you'll join us. Yeah. Follow us on on Facebook and and the tweetstagram. Tweetstagram? Tweetstagram. Yeah. Thing, tweets, right? Yeah, uh Skype us on our tweetstagram and uh 
Um, let us know what you think about vacation. Yeah. And any if you guys, as we come along on this podcast, if there's stuff you want us to cover, just hmm. you know, send us uh, recommendations what you think would make a fun show. Yeah, suggestions. We love we love to hear what you think. Yeah, but we're, we're trying to keep it like between 1970 and 970 uh, and 2000. Yeah, somewhere in that zone. Somewhere that yeah. We're so not there's enough do... time to kind of really reflect on some of these. I mean, I th- we could probably in a few months do the impact of Pacific Rim Two on American culture, <laughs> so we might do that. <laughs> but... I think that impact is about over. <laughs> <laughs> But we we've got a lot. There's a lot of great films out there that I think deserve our yeah. attention and uh, our reconcinimation. Recon, we're gonna reconcinimize it. Yeah. Yeah. Recon. Re- for it's <laughs> it's for your reconcinimation. Oh, should we do the corner? Oh yeah, we, we have one fr- last bit, and then right. we're gonna we're gonna go home. Here's a planned bit for y'all. <laughs> but uh, I I kind of gave I gave John a hint about this. Uh, so he was aware, but you know we talk because we're leading off our first show with an eight, a movie in the eighties. It makes sense that we talk about one of the eighties and Hollywood's biggest stars, um, who uh, I enjoy, but I know you really enjoy, and I think all of America. How could you not? Loves. He's he's all of our hero. Um, so Kurt Russell, folks. Kurt Russell. So let's let's we're gonna go into Kurt's corner for a moment. But um, there's, I, I've drafted this. This could change over time, how we do Kurt's Corner. But I figure there's four main questions that should always be addressed mm-hmm. when you're talking about any film. So number one, is Kurt Russell in this movie? Because I, to, my, to the best of my knowledge, he's not. He's not. And that, could he? He could be, but I don't think he is. He's not in it, no. And he probably never will be. Uh... I I could do a version if I got the footage. Ooh. I could do I could digitally insert. Him. You could put him in. Okay, yeah. so yeah. we'll put an asterisk on that. Yeah. That. yeah. Um, so could could 1983 Kurt Russell fit in this movie with all these all these people, all these stars, all these characters? Could he be in this movie playing an existing character, or would it be great to see him? I think he'd have to be. I think he'd have to be a whole new character. Although. We we didn't talk about the Dodge City little segment. Oh right, where this this kind of bartender that uh, Clark taunts ends up shooting him, but with blanks yeah. and a shotgun. This I could bartender. see Kurt Russell like as Snake Plissken, <laughs> as that bartender. He's got the eye patch and yeah. he's just, and he's just cleaning a gun <laughs> under the. <laughs> don't no say a word. Yeah, well, that would be. That'd I, be I could see him being in that. One. I love that. Um, so since he's not in the movie, um, then because if he was in the movie, he would automatically have best hair. Yeah. Of anyone. Yeah, yeah. So since he's not in it, who's got the best hair in National Influence Vacation? Well, I gotta go with Christy Brinkley. Christy Brinkley. Christy right? Brinkley. That that blo- that that blue in the wind. The hair, that so blonde, gorgeous blonde hair, blowing the wind. Uh, but I kind of like, like Ellen's. Oh, oh Beverly D'Angelo. Oh, well, sure. Like especially when they get to the, the the pool sequence at the end, and she's got that curly kind of like it's really curly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. she looks fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I think that's number one, two, three. Eddie. Yeah. Well, he's got iconic His hair's better hair. in Christmas Vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, so let's just, and then this is basically only for you because I'm not good at this. Um, but 
let's play six degrees to Kurt Russell. Oh yeah. So let's do that. Can let's you do get, it. Can you get it from Kurt to uh, our star Chevy Chase? Um, and like, how close can you get? There? Kurt to Chevy. Yeah. Well, I can do a behind the scenes thing no. where no, you're talking actors, actors and movies. Act- I feel like you know you know this. Well, I, I yeah. I feel like. You're... Well, okay, I got one. I got one. How close can you get? I can do. Well, I can do one move. It's really one move. I guess it's two. Chevy to John Deal, mm-hmm. who's in Vacation. Yeah. So sort of. Oh. Okay. John Deal was in Stargate with Kurt Russell. Oh. So. So is that one move or two moves? It's still two I, moves. I guess that's two moves. Because we're talking about Chevy specifically. Yeah. But, right, Chevy to John Deal. To, it's like a one to, and a half. To, yeah, because they're in that same movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway. I was gonna say behind the scenes that uh, Chevy is in Memoirs of an Invisible Man, directed by John Carpenter. Oh. And we all know, we all know, Kurt Russell, Russell is in and, many and John Carpenter movies. Absolutely. So. Hmm. All right, not bad. Couple there. That's pretty good. The, the, I, I had to do a little research. The most notable one for me, I guess. Kurt was in Vanilla Sky. Was he? Apparently. God. Uh, with Johnny Galecki, who is in Christmas, Christmas. Vacation. Yeah. With that. There you go. But, uh, then there's a lot. There are other ones. But oh, yeah. yeah, there's a ton. I know there's a, there's a Brian Doyle Murray. I, I feel like there's a, oh, yeah. a link. Oh, I could do Brian Doyle Murray mm-hmm. to Louis Arquette in Waiting for Guffman. Louis Arquette. To Kurt Russell, Tango and Cash. Look at that! Oh, see, I can't wait to talk about Tango and Cash. I can't <laughs> wait to talk about any Kurt Russell movie, really. But <laughs> those are going to be big event yeah. episodes. Yeah, when, when we, we do, do Big Trouble, oh boy! Oh my God, it's going to be big. That's going to be <laughs> for for our listeners. All right, um, guys, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. But thank you very much for listening. Stay tuned. We're gonna have a lot of fun shows. We're gonna get some more. Yes. We've got two more corners to cover. So we've got Candy's corner and Kurt's corner. I can't wait to figure out. I think out. there's four corners in a room. Oh, so we're gonna we're we'll, we're gonna un- un- unlock this, unleash yeah. this beast of the four corners of reconsideration. Iconic things that are just just starting to blossom right yeah. now. All right, well, stay tuned. We got a good uh, lineup coming this summer, and uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.